I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Mark, oh my goodness, welcome to the BU Find Happy podcast. I am so excited to talk about BMI, VMR, fatness, obesity, all the things, um, because this is such a fascinating conversation to have. Could you share with the listeners a little bit about who you are and kind of how you stumbled into the world of all things body types? Yeah, hi, Michaela. Thank you for having me on. Um, I am the lead scientific researcher at Fellow One Research. And since 2003, we have pioneered the only scientific body types in existence. Um, we, our goal is to improve the current scientific body type standards. And those standards, as you mentioned at the start of the show, uh, are the standard body type one. It's the standard human body uh, image that you find in any scientifically approved human body anatomy book, as well as the body mass index, the BMI, and the basal metabolic rate, the BMR, which is your base number of calories daily that your body requires to function. So we are looking to improve those inaccurate scientific variables. They are inaccurate because they fail to take into account skinny fat. They fail to calculate excess muscle and muscle mass um, and such. Um, and then, of course, we developed the scientific biotypes um, in terms of biotype science, um, and they are broken down into the four biotypes, and I'm happy to get into those further, but I'll pause here and see if I'm making sense. Um, you are making sense, and, and what I really want to talk about, I mean, I'll just be completely frank and honest, is the fact that I feel like we have spent a couple of generations now, a few decades now, um, poisoning the human body to create fatness by putting a McDonald's on every street corner, by demolishing the kind of integrity and organicness of how we used to eat as humans um, for the purpose of like mass feeding. And in addition, we put science, energy, and money into how we can create the most addictive foods on the planet that keep people coming back for more and more and more direct hit to the dopamine centers and then making them essentially addicted and obese. That is right on. That is exactly what is happening. It is a big part of the obesity epidemic globally. However, there are people like me who, when I was in my 20s, I'm now in my 40s, I got rid of all processed foods. I stopped eating any fast food, any junk food, uh, all of it. I stopped um, because I have dealt with... Um, being overweight and obesity my entire life. Um, I, I, I first began to notice that my body was different though when I was eight years old and I had this fat all over my body where I should have muscle and muscle mass and instead there was fat everywhere. And of course, I would go and see the doctor. They would tell me that my BMI was totally normal so don't worry about it but as I hit puberty, the fat got worse and it was always my fault. And one of the main culprits is all the things that you just mentioned. It's poor food quality. We have gotten away from the 
organic foods and the healthy eating um, you know, that we, uh, even a hundred years ago, were doing more of. Now, there were other issues that you know, we uh, that we can get into later, but the fact of the matter is, is that our food has become less, and that plays a big part in things. But it's not just about diet, exercise, and, and lifestyle. I am the example of that. There are plenty of people out there like me who have been diligent with their diet, exercise, and lifestyle. And yet still, when I am within my safe BMI weight range, I am normal weight obese. I have too much fat on my body, even though I'm well within my safe BMI weight range, when I should have a body type one with all muscle and muscle mass fully developed. But because of my genetics, I have skinny fat all over my my body. And there is no FDA approved way to get rid of skinny fat, including cellulite, you can reduce it, but there's no way to get rid of it. No amount of work in the gym is going to get rid of skinny fat or translate it into muscle. So yes, food quality and how we are eating, our diet, exercise, and lifestyle, especially here in the West, is awful. We need to improve it and get back to the organic, uh, natural ways. But body type plays into this. And there are plenty of people like me who, again, even when I'm within my safe BMI, I have too much fat on my body because of my genetics. So am I making any sense here? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I went to the, uh, the, what was it? Some museum, I'm forgetting the name of it exactly, but in San Jose, when I was in college and the long and the short is they had two little mice in there. One of them had this genetic predisposition to being a fat little mouse. And the other one had a predisposition to be a skinny little mouse to just kind of really simplify it. And it didn't matter how much they fed these two mice, the one stayed skinny and the one got obese. And so that's an interesting thing too. And I wonder how that ties into, you know, body type as far as like where we, we carry. And when I think caveman wise, I think, you know, every caveman had a job, um, that helped to make things kind of go. And they weren't all hunters. Not every single caveman was a hunter and not every single cave woman was out picking the berries. They each had roles within, you know, kind of our tribal, caveman upbringings. And so I am curious about these body types and how you identify them and how you then help people identify what they should do that's best for their own body type. Right. So in terms of the evolution of the, of the human body, that definitely plays in when we were cavemen and running out on the, on the, um, plains and hunting, uh, it typically, uh, the more muscle and muscle mass that you have, the stronger that you are, the faster that you can run, yada, yada. So muscle plays a big part in this. And if you are genetically inclined towards having less muscle and in place of that muscle is, is skinny fat, that directly affects your athleticism, your ability to run fast, to be agile, to climb trees fast if you're being chased by a lion, yada, yada. So the evolution of this definitely plays into it. That being said, we know that there are that we have the standard body type one, and we know that that is a a factual, true body type. It is the only body type currently that mainstream scientists and medical doctors accept and and recognize. But we know that it's a real body type. However, we know that there are other body types, other body shapes, because of genetics that aren't that body type one. So the evolution of of all this is over time, as we pass along our genes, uh, and once we partner with somebody else, that in and of itself will you know, uh, 
continue the evolution of those genes. And if we're talking about inferior genes that have less muscle mass and more skinny fat, you are more likely to pass those genes along to your offspring. So there's a, it, there's a lot of complexity here. It is definitely about the evolution of things. We definitely need fat stores in lean times. It's no different than having a savings account at the bank when you know, you're uh, in a time of less money coming in. We need the same thing in terms of fat stores. However, fat is stored on different bodies in different ways. If you're a body type one, even though it may not look like you have any fat on your body, it's likely stored internally, maybe uh, uh, relative to the organs, wherever it will be different than somebody else who actually stores it in a more obvious way in terms of outward appearances. So that's really interesting because people, um, you know, I've had the body type I've had obviously my whole life, you know, I'm not built like a twig. I'm definitely, people say like, I have like a runner body or whatever. I don't know about that. I've, my mom used to say I have birthing hips, but I'm definitely built like a certain way for a female, a very curvy, but also very health conscious. So not like, you know, but I'm not, I'm not a rail, like I'm not a toothpick. I'm just not built that way. And one of the things that I noticed, um, as you're talking a couple of thoughts, number one on my heavy brain days, when I'm doing psychotherapy work and working back to back to back to back with clients all day. And my brain is just, I'm not moving my body. I'm sitting in a chair. Um, I am freaking starving and I have to like snack all day long to what I feel like feed my brain. And the second part of that is after I got the alien, um, which some people refer to as COVID, I started craving red meat. And I was, uh, I don't want to say vegan, a very pescatarian oriented person, grow my own food, uh, chickens, eggs, all the things. Um, but I was also kind of in the yoga world at that time and it was kind of shunned upon. And so I didn't really eat red meat. I started freaking craving it, became a full-blown carnivore. Like now a meat can, is a big part of my diet and I feel healthier again having that back in my world. So I wonder how those things play into it as well. Yeah. So understanding your genetic scientific body type is vital. It sounds like you have gotten to know your body very well. You understand that it doesn't sound like your body is uh, in line with the typical standard by type one, as mainstream scientists and medical doctors adamantly claim that you are once you're within safe BMI. But it sounds like you have the awareness that your body is not that and you understand that your body has its own specific needs in terms of how much you eat daily when you eat yada yada so what this all boils down to is you have to understand your genetic scientific body type once you can understand that then you can begin looking at you know there's all these diets out there which one is best for me well you can't really understand that until you first understand what your genetic scientific body type is one of the four body types. And then once you understand that, then you can go and figure out what's the best diet, what's the best exercise, what's the best lifestyle. So it's really about uh, using science in a, in a positive way, the facts and all the evidence and coming to a true understanding of what is your real genetic scientific body type. And then what is the best diet, exercise and lifestyle for me so that I can be healthy in the short and long term. Um, you know, for me, one of the things that I notice is that, um, like my, my blood pressure as example is incredibly low. Like I go to the doctor, like, Oh my gosh, you're dead. It's so low. It's ridiculous. And I mean, I guess that's a good thing, but I wonder how does it like, 
how does the way we process glucose, how does our blood pressure, how does all that stuff affect our body types scientifically as you're talking? So if we have skinny fat on our body, uh, depending on how severe that skinny fat is, we are more inclined to put on fat weight in those areas of our body where we do have skinny fat. And so obviously things like glucose play into it because uh, our body uses that as as energy and how our body breaks down carbohydrates relative to fats relative to protein all that matters and it will be relative to our specific body type are we more inclined to things like diabetes and such even obesity which is genetic so your genetics most certainly play into all this it's why there is no standard body type one, really, because there are so many different body type shapes because of our genetics that they're just different. And it it all boils down to coming back to understanding what is my specific scientific body type? Why is it that way? And then once we understand that, then we can begin actually making real changes instead of following all these uh, folks up on social media who have no idea what they're talking about. Most of them have no idea, yet we follow them and we take their advice. Uh, Honestly, I'm not sure why we do. So please follow the actual science. um, And that's the way that we figure out what's best for our specific body type. And so what about like, um, what about like the microbiome and all of that, the way it affects our brain, like our gut health and how it so correlates with the way that we kind of like think of things. What about that part of, of things? Yeah. So I just put up an, an article at our site at fellowone.com recently uh, that talks all about the gut and the gut feeling. And it most certainly is a huge part of things because our gut, keeping the bacteria in our gut happy is where health is. It's about immunity. It's about just health in general. And so those microbes, the, the flora in our gut is just vital to our health in general. And that goes hand in hand with specific body type. So if you're somebody who experiences the, the gut feeling, uh, and it's something that, you know, that you've gotten to actually know over time for someone like me, I, I, I was born in a scientific body type four and I've never had at, abdominal muscles. I've never been a six pack, no matter how many years in the gym. And I have spent years upon years upon years upon years in the gym doing all of the weightlifting and following all of the experts advice. And I've never had visible abdominal muscles or uh, a six pack. And that directly affects my gut feeling, my microflora, etc. And the science is still quite new on this. So we are bringing forward more research data on this and uh, over time more will come out in general. But what we know right now is there is a direct correlation between the gut and the brain and our health. And that's a very important thing that we need to be watching as we move forward here. Don't you think in general though, like, I mean, I'm getting a little tinfoil hat here, but don't you think in general, like it seems to be the mission to keep us sick and on pharmaceuticals and not healthy and, and to keep us not able to, you know, um, go for a hike without falling over. Almost certainly. And so, so, so here is how simple health is for being a human being walk daily, 30 to 45 minutes, just go walk. That's it. You don't need to run. You don't need to do a Peloton. You don't need to go to the gym. Just go walk for 30 to 45 minutes. It's a superpower. 
eat a healthy diet. And uh, what the science shows is that uh, it, it, the, the Mediterranean diet, especially the blue zone Mediterranean diet, is a really stellar diet for the average person. There's many more out there, but that's just one that I will point out. In terms of lifestyle, get plenty of sleep and rest. Right now, the world is built on us being sick so that those in power can make money. And that's really how it's structured. As you stated earlier, you walk down any aisle in any grocery store and all of the product, 90% of the products on those shelves have been engineered in terms of taste, in terms of chemicals, so that you buy more, but they have taken out the actual nutrients so that you crave more, you have to go buy more, and they make more money. No different with fast food and junk food and processed food. It's all about taste, and there is no nutrients. No one cares about actual nutrients because it's all about profit. And the problem with that point of view is health insurance it is so messed up right now that uh, what we should be doing is we should be taxing all that horrible, awful food that is destroying human health, and that should be taxed and go into a healthcare fund so that everyone's paying their actual healthcare fairly upfront. So you're right. The world is built upside down and backwards, and I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist or you know, wearing the tinfoil hat either, but the evidence is clear and it's out there. And the only way that we change that is we're the consumers. We go and buy. Stop buying all that nonsense. Start buying healthy food right, and start advocating for more f fairness in general all across the board. So I'll sort of pause here and see if that's making sense. It does. Um, and as you're talking, I'm just thinking about the fact that, um, you know, I just did this 10 hour training with Bessel van der Kolk of um, The Body Keeps the Score. And he talked a lot about how, you know, by keeping us in lockdown and by keeping us in our homes and by doing all these things, the one way that the body naturally heals itself through, you know, oxytocin release, endorphins, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera is movement. It's hiking. It's getting out in nature. It's being among other people. It's yoga. It's doing all of these things that continually work. You know, the body that rests, rusts, that whole thing. Um, and it's disgusting to me that people are still sitting in front of the television programming, programming, right? They are programming you via right. the television and they're not seeing the ways in which this is a, like, literally this is the epidemic. And nobody see, I mean, not nobody. I, I feel like in, you know, the three years I've been shouting at the top of my lungs, I've seen more and more people kind of coming around on this, but it's shocking to me how many people are still plopping down in front of the television with fast food. Right on, right on. And, you know, so I, I, I as a scientist, I believe in vaccines and I am fully vaccinated. However, I wore the mask for too long. Um, and there's definitely a balance there where you, you have to allow your immune system to work. The problem is, is as we've already stated on this show, the average person in this country is unhealthy. And so we went into this pandemic up against this nasty virus with a very unhealthy population. And the government knows this, but they're making money off of that unhealth as well. So you can't have an overwhelm of too many people dying. And so they had to come up with the actual vaccines and put in all these restrictions that you likely wouldn't have needed if our population was simply more healthy. 
simply making better diet exercise and lifestyle choices daily instead of eating all this nonsense and doing no exercise and having a terrible lifestyle. If we were a healthier society in general, we wouldn't have to worry about these epidemics and there are more coming and the only reason that they are a true problem is because we are so unhealthy right now and it is manifest in the world in general the environment climate change just all of the nastiness that is going on everywhere is a manifestation of our general unhealth and the way that you fix that is by making better diet exercise and lifestyle choices and that really starts with learning with understanding your genetic scientific body type yeah. And it can't, it can't be tomorrow. It has to be today. And, and, you know, the funny thing about all of that is like, um, you know, I was, I was recently talking with a friend about how I had this tension in my shoulder blades and that's something I'm going to talk about on a later podcast when I'm ready to kind of process all of that. But I went for acupuncture. I went for chiropractic. I went for massage. I did cupping. And then I did Arnica gel and, and it was like, well, what's this Arnica gel? And I did Epsom salt bath. Well, what's that? You know, and if you look up these things, if you look up Arnica, Arnica, you know, it's like, oh, not federally approved, blah, 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 blah. There's no scientific evidence to show, blah, blah, blah. There's no scientific evidence to show that this thing that costs nearly nothing is as effective as ibuprofen and all of the drugs that they want to sell you. Hmm. Let me think about that for a minute. There's no scientific evidence to show that Epsom salts relieve constipation, you know, it reduce inflammation, improve digestion, because that doesn't really fit our whole drugs we sell you for IBS and everything else. Right. And that's really the double standard right now is so go and watch any of these, uh, you know, ads up on TV. If it's Ozempic or whatever the allopathic drug is that they are currently pushing and look at the side effects and they're like death, you know, you know, serious side effects. Um, and so on the other hand, I, I am a big fan of the, of the responsible use of natural herbs and, and such. The problem with that is we get the same general nonsense on the other side of the spectrum where folks are making out outrageous unscientific claims about, you know, yeah. Right. And so there's this middle ground that you find that, you know, there are some allopathic drugs that are really good. We wouldn't get by without morphine and the vaccines, et cetera. There are some natural plants and, and such, and probably more than some, but we're going to stick with some right now that are solid. So it's finding this, this balance in the middle with things like Arnica, real Arnica, now that really can be a, a an outstanding vulnerary. It can help heal uh, you know, uh, issues in the body over time when used properly. But that's what it's really all about. It's 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 understanding how to actually use all these things properly and not just listening to crazy, uh, uh, unfounded things up on social media and the like that just get people in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely like, but but this goes back to for me, knowing being being healthy enough to be in tune with your own body. As example, big thing for me, um, you know, spent a lot of time in the yoga world, no longer in the yoga world for various reasons, um, but one of them was you know the use of frankincense as example and if i walked into a yoga studio that that was just pumping throughout I'd turn around and walk right back out because for me i had like a visceral response overwhelming my as you know my nervous system that said not you need to not be here and then it comes to find out that a lot of these like pure diffused oils like this can be very detrimental and harmful 
when you start going to Google Scholar and like searching and you start finding studies and things like that. And it's like, if you're not in tune enough, if you have shut down your ability to even tap into what your body is telling you, you're not going to pick up on that. And so for me, you know, I didn't need someone to come back, come out to me and say, oh, you know, having inhaling essential oils at this dose can be very deadly or poisonous or toxic. I naturally knew that. Like I naturally felt that in my body. Maybe for other people, it's great. For me, it was absolutely not, you know, and there are things like that that I find where I go, "Mm -mm, that just doesn't go with my body. It's just not a thing. Like I can't, that's not for me. Um, And it may work well for other people. Um, you know, I never stopped eating butter. People like, Oh, butter's so bad for whatever for me, lather it on. And I never stopped doing that. I mean, I, I put it on saltine crackers just to get butter in me. And I think that's my body type. I think that's my genetic makeup, my whatever roots, they are fine with butter. Maybe somebody else isn't, you know, maybe someone else needs ghee or needs oil or whatever. What, um, when you, uh, sense that in yourself where do you sense it is it a brain thing is it a stomach thing you know it's hard to describe it It, the only thing I can align it with is like similar to my pregnancy when I was pregnant I did not question I would get a craving and I would eat it and I just seemed to gutturally connected to brain no I need this thing and and so I don't know what it is that transpires between microbiome, gut health, brain health that all unfolds. But for me, it's like an undeniable. And I have learned over the years, if, I'm, if I've got a craving, my body, something knows, go get it, you know? So am I understanding then that you feel it in your gut? Is that, is that what you're saying? It's, it's more than that because it's a, it's, it's a mindset thing too. So it's a craving whereby if I try to shut it off and say, no, like I'll get a, an overwhelming, Oh, that sounds really good. And then it's like, Oh, now I'm like really craving it. So it seems to be both. It seems to be a connection. I'm not sure to be honest, maybe you can enlighten me more on that. I have no idea, but to me, it seems like it's like, I gotta have chicken noodle soup or I've gotta have sushi today. I'm really craving, you know, whatever it's, it's a connective thing. So no, I, th- I think that what you're saying is right on relative to what we know in terms of the science right now, that it, that it most certainly is a gut brain connection. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to sort of pinpoint here. It's like, when you know that, is it, is it this pinging sensation or this butterfly sensation in your gut that first makes you notice things or uh, how do you, how do you notice it inside your actual body so that, you know, one moment you weren't noticing it and the next you were? That is really interesting. And you know, it's funny. I'm even thinking yesterday I had a really solid brain day. I was doing a training for my instrument flight rating, like all this data coming into my brain. And then I'm driving three hours home in these torrential California rains. And as I'm driving home, I feel this overwhelming sense that I need a sandwich. (laughs) Sounds crazy. (laughs) But I'm like, I need a sandwich. You know, I just, it's not like I smelled a sandwich. It's not like somebody was talking about a sandwich. I just felt like as soon as I get home, I am making myself a sandwich. And I got home and I'm tired and I'm thinking, oh, you know, and it's like, make a sandwich, make a sandwich, make a sandwich. I made a sandwich and it, it never tasted so good. You know, I lathered it with mayonnaise. Yes, I did that. And, but, it, but I felt like, Afterwards, I felt complete. I felt good, and I had like the best night's sleep ever. 
So uh, it sounds like that feeling came from your gut, at least at the start. Uh, and that's, you know, in, in general, how it works for me as well, if I'm understanding what you're saying right. Uh, but all that is super cool because it's just more evidence that, you know, there are things about the human body right now that we don't fully understand. In fact, I would say that there's so much that we don't understand. We probably understand less than what we understand. And so... I, I think that uh, it'll be very interesting as the years pass to see as the science rolls in, how things change and how our, our points of view change. Uh, but, you know, that's one of the reasons why we created the scientific biotype quiz up at fellow1.com. Please go and check it out. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm going to take your quiz afterwards. I'm really curious about that, too, to learn a little bit more on that. But it is fascinating to me. I mean, it's truly fascinating how we've suppressed so much of our ability to tap into our own intuitive nature and that intuition lives in where the gut. And so it's, it's, it's really incredible. I mean, I know one thing when I start having salt cravings, I, I'm immediately, I'm like, oh, my thyroid's funky. I need salt because somehow my body knows that they have supplemented that thyroid, you know, assault with, with iodine, which, uh, you know, helps with thyroid functioning. Somehow my body knows that. And I think that that is truly the amazing thing about the body. If you are listening and you're listening clearly, uh, yada, yada. So, I, and I think that that's where most people have gotten away from that. They have stopped listening if they ever listen to their, to their body, because, uh, on one hand, uh, it, having doctors and nurses and such is a wonderful thing because we've come so far in terms of science. And on the other hand, too many people, surrender their own power to the doctors and such and stop thinking for themselves. And they just go to the, to the doctor, do whatever the doctor says and go home without understanding or giving it thought and actually making their own choices relative to what they understand that. So now too much power has been given to the doctors and such, and it has to be a, a balance there, which I hope that we're coming back to. Uh, but, and, and that's one of the things that we, again, up at our site and what we are doing in terms of biotype science is we are looking to improve the scientific biotype standards uh, and, and just the science in general. Um, is, again, we have to have standards and we have to have doctors, but all of it, we are where we are right now, but it, there's so much more that we can do to improve our science, to improve our health. And that's what we are working on here at Fellow One Research. I so love what you're saying about being an advocate for yourself, especially when it comes to doctors who are in practice. It's not called perfection, it's called practice. And they're learning just as much, believe it or not, as as you are, right, about the process. And um, there was a fascinating book out there about a doctor who, um, gosh, I wish I could remember it now, but he basically used his intuition to treat his patients. And he started to become known as this guy who treated all of these really odd like symptoms that were arising and solving these kind of really odd, odd medical problems, almost like Dr. House. And then, um, as you're talking, I'm also thinking about this conversation that my partner and I had the other day about how kids just seem to intuitively know, right? Like, um, you know, even yoga poses like happy baby. It's, it's because babies know that this is a good position for digestion. This helps me feel better, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's incredible how kids just seem to kind of naturally do the things that, that there's a reason it's called fetal position when we're sick. And, and that's another thing, you know, gosh, how do we know when we're sick? Like, oh man, 
I'm, I'm craving ginger ale or whatever. We seem to know what we need. And if we can get to a place where we can advocate for ourselves more, I think we'd be far better off. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that, and I'm hoping that that's where the science is going. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. As always, we include everything in the show notes. I know I, for one, I'm going to jump right onto your website and go take the quiz. And so listeners, if you enjoyed uh, what Mark has to say, find his website, fellowone.com. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you for having me. Take care. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.